Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. I'm afraid if I start, I shall never stop. Jamie Fraser The people like everyone talks about like the cool characters that you meet it's just the exposure you have like the people are how i expected them to be but it's the quantity of interactions you have which i love like i thrive off that every time you have a lunch break you're like meeting a new person or you're meeting someone that you've met a couple of days ago and that really is fun and i'm enjoying that probably more than i thought i would and i think everyone says that the social side it'll be fine when you're out here it's easier than you think and the people are definitely what I wanted them to be, but it's kind of hard because when you're hiking, to find someone who wants to go the same speed as you, wants to do the same mileage as you, and then wants to spend the same amount of time in towns, I haven't found that as easy as I thought I would to find a group of people. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Mirpod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. This week, we are talking to world traveler, nomad, and current PCT hiker, Sierra Peters Buckland. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Sierra. How's it going? Really good. I'm excited to be here. I've never been on a podcast before, so I'm, I'm ready. Well, we are happy that you're here, and I'm glad that uh, you chose uh, the John Freaking Muir Pod to, to to be your first podcast. Me too. I was really stoked when you messaged me. <laughs> now we have to start. I can't ignore your name, Sierra. I mean, it's like the the best name ever for anybody, uh, especially coming on this podcast. I feel like that might be how I ended up on this current hike too. So my name's got me into a lot. It seems. <laughs> okay, and what is the background behind your name? 
So even though I grew up in Scotland, my mom is from California originally. So she was obviously like familiar with the Sierras. And um, I don't know if my father had much input in that. He must have just liked it and went along with it. But my dad's done a lot of traveling too. So I'm sure it wasn't a hard convincing for him. Okay. So you're from Scotland, but I don't hear a, a, a strong <laughs> Scottish brogue there. <laughs> a couple of my fellow hikers call me the fake Scot because I've got the worst Scottish accent. When I say Scottish, you could maybe hear a tiny bit of are. it. Yep, it's bad. I can't even blame it on the traveling. I kind of sounded like this before traveling, but with an American mom and an English dad, and I grew up in probably the most English spot part of Scotland in St. Andrews, I came out like this. <laughs> okay. So that's quite a combo there. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Call myself a mutt. <laughs> now, Sierra, in all of your time on the trail, have you picked up a trail name? I have. So I've ended up with Lucky Charm. Lucky Charm. I love it. That's Which it's kind of Scottish, by, right? Yeah, well, actually, I think it's more Irish, but I mean, Irish, I've got Irish, fair yes. skin. I'm almost redhead, and I've got the curls, so I mean, the leprechaun thing isn't far off, and it is after the cereal. So, so you look like you're straight out of Outlander. <laughs> I wish I was straight out of Outlander. So yeah, I, I'd be quite happy to coincide with Jamie, I think. But I actually never watched Outlander until working. It was on an American cruise ship and everyone, every single person on that boat asked me if I'd watched Outlander. So the first thing I did when COVID hit and everyone stayed at home and watched Netflix was binge watched Outlander and safe to say my aunt and I were obsessed. Wow. So on the cruise ship, everybody asked you. So I guess, I guess that means that I'm predictable. I'm just, I'm falling straight into the trap of, of just asking you the questions you've already been asked before. That's all right. I'm okay with that. Especially okay. if it's talking about Outlander. <laughs> all right. And you worked on a cruise ship. Very briefly. It was meant to be a wonderful six months that COVID shortened to three and a half. Okay. All right. And I think we're going to get to that story a little bit later. So save, we'll save a little bit of information mm -hmm. on that. <laughs> Hey, uh, Lucky Charm, is it Lucky Charm or Lucky Charms? It should be plural, but I've stuck with Lucky Charm. It just okay. has a better ring to it. Because there's just one of you. <laughs> yeah, well, there actually isn't. That's the funny part. I met the other Lucky Charm about two or three days ago. <laughs> so she got oh. it for being lucky, and I got it for the mar like the marshmallows that are in the cereal. So we've got different reasons behind it. So we can oh. share the name. Well, I, I'm not sure I understand the how you got the how you got this name. Then you have to explain this to us. What's with the marshmallows? Well, I've always loved marshmallows in every form, so I often get gifted every kind of marshmallow out there. And my aunt managed to find a website where you can buy just the marshmallows from the cereal. So I think a lot of people think I'm crazy enough to pick out all the marshmallows from the cereal. I did not go to that level, but my aunt ordered a huge bag. So for most of the desert, I have carried the marshmallows from Lucky Charms. Yeah, if you had picked all of those out of how many countless boxes of Lucky Charms, that would be a bit obsessive. I, I'd have some serious concerns. I mean, as a kid, I, I, I borderlined that. But yeah, that's too time consuming for now. <laughs> and are those really marshmallows? I, I don't know. That crunchy level is definitely one of the fellas. I let him try them and he almost jumped out of skin because he thought it was like eating chalk. And he can't even sit next to me when I eat them. Not my problem. I get to eat more. So... <laughs> <laughs> yes, the crunch factor would lead me to believe that they may call them marshmallows, but unless <laughs> there's some kind them. of special treatment uh, to them, if, they, if they started off as a marshmallow and then there's some kind of treatment that converted them to their their lucky charm state, well, maybe, but I'm not, I'm not sure they're marshmallows. We'll, we'll go with that. That's okay. That's yeah. Fine. I mean, I, I think we do worse things to food out here on the trail. So, you know, what? <laughs> whatever they do, it works for me. Okay. 
Hey, uh, Lucky Charm, have you had a chance to listen to the podcast before? Yeah, as soon as you messaged me, I started listening to some of the episodes, which was really good fun. You actually were the first podcast I started listening to on trail. I had not deliberately been holding off, but I was just surprisingly didn't feel the need for music or podcasts or anything yet. Um, and I think you messaged me about a day before getting my first blisters. Um, and those blisters sent me right into needing something else to focus on. And so that's when I started listen, listening. You just needed the right podcast to listen to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You guys were talking like one of the ones episodes I have a bad memory, so I don't remember who it was, but you're talking about van life and I'm excited to hear or talk anything about van life. So that was fun. <laughs> okay. So you have a bad memory. This could be an interesting episode then. Oh dear. Yeah. It's got me in trouble a few times. So <laughs> don't take advantage. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, I only ask because I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment towards the end of the episode called the pro tip inside of the week, where I will turn to you and I'll ask you to share some trail wisdom with your, with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised when we get there. I'm, I'm scared because I talk too much and I'm scared I'm going to use them up before I get there. So I'm trying to keep one back there. So we'll see. We'll see how we do. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because throughout the episode, I mean, we're going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff and you're going to drop all kinds of trail wisdom. I'm sure all kinds of useful, interesting stuff for our listeners, but you will be on the hook at the end. So make sure you hold at least one back. <laughs> I've got to use that memory of mine. Okay. Got it. Okay. The Must Bring Gear Review. Okay, that's Half Calf reminding us of our next segment, the Must Bring Gear Review, sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Lucky Charm, what is your must bring piece of gear? So I think I found a way to cheat the system on this question a little bit because I'm going to try and incorporate a couple pieces into one term. So I'm going to say I call it my sun suit. And that means my means of covering all my skin. The only part that I do not have covered is <laughs> this little bit of my face, my nose, my cheeks and my chin. And that's because I cannot carry enough sunscreen that I would need to have skin exposed. So I have starting from the bottom, I wear the darn tough socks. I ended up opting for Lululemon leggings and leggings seem to be a controversial topic. Um, I am not usually one to drop $100 on a pair of leggings, but those leggings have made me so happy on trail that I have zero regrets about that. And then I go for the, I never know if I say the brand right, but the Arc'teryx. Can you correct me on that? No, that sounds maybe. close enough for me. Yeah, there's, that'll do. There, there's, there's a Y day. and an X in there. It gets, it yeah. gets all complicated. So that, I'll go with that. It's taken me about 500 miles to remember the name, uh, but they're Sun Hoodie. I'm bright orange in their Sun Hoodie. And then I have full finger sun gloves, some cheap brand on Amazon, the hat, the hood up. And yeah, just enough to see and breathe. And we're good. Yeah. If you are listening to this podcast, go ahead and hit the pause button, tune into the YouTube version of this. And you'll <laughs> see that that Lucky Charm is has some fair skin, uh, much like Claire on uh, outlander she's got she's got the red hair and the, and the fair skin and so you need to take advantage of whatever you can to keep that skin protected oh yeah absolutely and i don't know maybe it's my own theory but i swear wearing clothes and i did not i thought i'd be miserable wearing leggings and a long top i swear i stay cooler and don't sweat as much so i don't have to carry as much water and that goes a long way in the desert <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and I, i'm with you I'm, I'm also fair fair uh fair skinned fair haired yeah. and 
I get tired of putting on the sunscreen on the, on the legs, the lower legs, the arms, you know, the, the back of your neck. And so I discovered the sun hoodie. I've got some great hiking pants and uh, by covering everything up, it, it helps me in the morning and throughout the day, not having to stop and, and lather up all that sunscreen and you don't have to carry as much sunscreen. Absolutely. And, and for me, it's actually the mind game. Cause if I know that I have skin chilling, I then get paranoid that I need to reapply. And then I start thinking 10 minutes after putting it on, do I need to reapply, reapply again? But I don't want to rub more dust in. I don't want to get dirty. Uh, it, it, no, it's not a fun time. So I just cover it all up and I'm happy. <laughs> you don't have to worry about those weird tan lines either. Well, or or yeah, weird, weird burn lines. So the, that's weird. I've actually got the reverse tan. So you know how most hikers got the tan legs and the white feet? Uh -huh. So I'm actually developing like a tan sock because I take my socks and shoes off on my breaks and that just little bit of exposure, even though I'm in the shade to sun has burnt my feet a couple of times. So I actually have tanned feet and white legs, which is the reverse of everyone else out here. <laughs> Got some brown feet and white legs. That's a good combo. Maybe brown's an exaggeration. Very slightly <laughs> golden, <laughs> slightly red. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's bright red and less red, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's the hiking pole. All right. Let's talk about the hiking pole. Hiking pole. It's by the way, it's P O L L not P O L E. It's a survey, seven question survey. And it, it's to help me rate, rate you on the sanity scale with 100 being completely sane and one being completely bonkers. And really I've changed this up a little bit. So I don't, I'm not sure that you've heard the new hiking poll. This is the Ooh. one part. This is the one part cool. of the episode where you have no idea what's coming. This is fun. Okay, cool. Got seven I, that questions. was the only part I was prepared for. So you're yeah. going to mix that all up. Let's go. I'm, I'm mixing it all up. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, some of the big philosophical questions of our age. And I'm going to mm -hmm. see which side, which side you fall on. And this is not even related to hiking, actually. It's, it's, it's just everyday life. That's oh, going to help me. It's going to help me decide, you know, how sane you are. Because out here in the hiking community, I feel relatively sane. In normal life, I don't. So these questions might screw up my score. Okay. And now that's, that's an interesting point because long trail through hikers, there's an automatic 20 point deduction. Oh, so, wow. So Sierra, <laughs> you're, you're out on the PCT. You're automatically <laughs> at a top score of 80. Okay. We'll take that. Okay. Now in your real life, in your everyday life, uh, back in the world, how, where, do, where do you fall? Where do you think you fall? How, how would you score yourself one, one to a hundred on the sanity scale? So a hundred is sane? Completely sane. Um, I mean, I put myself at a like cheeky 50, 40, but I think my friends and girlfriend and other people might lower, put that a little bit lower. <laughs> a cheeky 50, 40. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not too crazy, but I definitely uh, don't do traditional i guess it might be the polite way to put it okay now <laughs> on, the, on the scale i mean one to a hundred if you're at 50 or if you're at 40 i mean that's that yeah is that going bonkers already i thought that was like a fun bonkers a fun okay so a 50 or 40 is like a fun bonkers okay i got it yeah, yeah that, make, that makes sense that, that, that works for sense. me <laughs> all right are you ready for the big big philosophical questions of our age I'm ready for this. Okay. So in your everyday life, do you sleep with your socks on? Oh, no. No, no, no. I have a theory that if you're, so I have cold feet all the time. And I have a theory, if you put anything on your feet while they're cold, they stay cold. So no, no, no. Yeah. No socks for me. 
Okay. And this is good. I'm not looking for one word answers. I'm looking for a little explanation. You're, you're, you're doing just fine right now. <laughs> okay. Next question. Does pineapple belong on pizza? No, 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 no. I'm so sure about that. And everyone around me eats pineapple with their pepperoni and I'm not okay with that. Why, why not? I mean, why wouldn't pineapple belong I, on pizza? I have an issue with fruit being in savory dishes. So I have no issue with pineapple being hot. I love when you go it's a, like Brazilian restaurants where they'll have like the whole pineapple covered in cinnamon. I, I, that's delicious. But I don't know. It's the same. Some like curries and stuff will have like lychees in it and stuff. No. And I love fruit and I'm a really not a picky eater, but that is a, probably about the only food thing you would have found me super opinionated about. That is probably the most vehement reaction I've had so far <laughs> on that question. It's funny because it came up in Wrightwood. So my aunt and her partner came up and they love pineapple on their pizza. And she's the one who like adopted me through the whole COVID time when I got stuck in America. We'll go into that later. Mm -hmm. And then they love pineapple on their pizza. And normally I'm just so easy ozy with food options and I just go with whatever anyone wants, but I'll still eat it. But the, the pineapple comes off and goes on their slices. Now, what if the pineapple had cinnamon on it? <laughs> that comes to a whole other story that's just reminded me of. Um, oh dear. Do we have a minute for a quick side story? Well, absolutely. We, we, this is, this, so, this podcast is all about side stories. Sorry, parents, you're going to hear a drunk story, but I'm Scottish. We are not known for staying terribly sober, especially through university years. Um, I can just see a few of my friends at uni cracking up right now. Um, I got very, very drunk. Um, and I, as you just saw how passionately I hate pineapple being on a pizza. I woke up one morning um, on the couch of my flat that I shared with like five other people. And next to me was a half-eaten pizza, Hawaiian pizza covered in cinnamon. Uh, you couldn't have asked a question more specific to this story. And I wake up, minimal memory. And basically I pieced the story together. What had happened is before drinking, my friend said she was gonna make pancakes in the morning and she asked me to bring cinnamon over. Now I have a bad memory like we talked about. So I left the cinnamon out so I'd remember to take it in the morning supposedly drunk me I will never know because I don't remember why I ordered that said pizza uh got home probably didn't like it because I don't like pineapple on the pizza um I don't tend to have standards when it comes to mixing food so I guess I saw the cinnamon I know I like cinnamon and maybe I thought that would improve the situation and um, but to top the whole story off it turns out I paid for that pizza with my entire bag so when they gave me the pizza I just plonked my bag, which included my, no, I think I kept my phone, but everything else, all my money, all my bank cards, all my belongings for going out in an evening. I just gave it to them. And I ran down the street, like the poor fella, I'd been in there a few times. He like kind of recognized me. I guess he came out in the street to be like, what are you doing? And I was off in the distance. I had a tendency to run when I was drunk, especially when I have food, I guess I just had a, I don't know, I'd get home and eat. <laughs> and I figured all this out because I figured out which company um, I had the pizza box from and I called them and he was like, yeah, you just paid with your entire bag. So I had to tail between my legs, go back, recoup all my belongings and never understand why I put cinema, cinnamon on my pizza. So you throw the bag at him, you grab the pizza and you, you take off, you run. He turns to his manager, the restaurant manager and says, we've got a runner and uh, tries to catch you, but you're, you're evidently you're too fast. That was it. Yeah. I'm faster when I'm drunk than when I'm sober. I'm sure of it. Cause I'm not very fast when I'm sober. Imagine, imagine the possible trail names you could have picked up oh. if this had happened on the trail. I'm sure. Oh my. I, yeah. my, my mind is just reeling right now with all kinds of possibilities.
yeah yeah university version of myself could have got a few names i'm sure <laughs> i think i've caught my, my bonkers level was down at like 10 20 i think at uni i think i've, I've yeah i've mentally just developed a little, bit. a little bit yeah okay all right and what, what was the drink of choice in uni oh i was the cranberry vodka drinker oh after the wine that was once i was out i've been dedicated to wine since i started drinking i think okay so just to clarify was the wine so you, you you'd consume wine and then have the cranberry vodka or earlier in your uni career it was wine and then later in your uni career it was cranberry vodka no all in the same night so pre-drinks all, was all on the same night oh yeah it, it typically went wine at pre-drinks because that was okay. cheap and i like that horrendously sweet like zinfandel grenache kind of rosé wines that people but is it but is it pre-drinks if you're drinking yeah because it's pre-drinks before drinking out oh That's oh in america pre-gaming pre-gaming oh pre-gaming i like That's that right. well it was pre-gaming because right. we did games often too while we pre-drank yeah. that makes okay. sense but yeah, it was the wine at home and then it probably turned into the vodka cranberry most of the time out. And then it went to the shots and then I don't know what I was drinking after that. Okay. <laughs> so you're not sure what, what kind of shots you were taking? Tequila usually. Oh, tequila. Yeah. Your facial expression as soon as I said that. You're that not a tequila drinker, huh? One tequila, two tequila, three tequila floor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the definition of that saying I would say back then. <laughs> okay, I really enjoyed that side story, and if you can keep working those in, we're going to be just fine here. Okay. <laughs> back to the pole, hiking pole. Next yep. question, big philosophical question of our age. Ready for? Do you roll your toilet paper over or under? Oh, uh, over. Over. And I'm that person when it's under, I turn it around if it's easy to do. <laughs> If you're at a friend's house and you, you're, you're in the bathroom and you notice it, you're like, oh, no, 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 yeah. we are not going to let this happen. Yeah, it depends on the friend, but yeah, probably. And out, like even in restaurants and stuff, I turn it around. <laughs> now, why do you think over is better? It just, it makes more sense to me. It seems easier to flow, which doesn't make any sense because it's a circle when I say it out loud. <laughs> but it's over. I don't know why, but it's got to be over. Yeah, I agree. No, no point deduction there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the correct answer. And again, correct is my version of what correct is. So this is why all, is all this is you? all subjective. Because I've actually never thought of why. Why is it correct? Yeah. Why do you think it's correct? I think it's correct because as you're sitting there and you mm -hmm. need to, to grab some toilet paper, you can see very clearly where the 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 edge is, right? You can just grab it real, yeah. real quick. Right. Whereas if it is tucked under, if it's not hanging freely and it's just, it's, it, you have to then spin the, spin yeah. the thing for a while and, and find, find where the starting point is. This is true. It's, it's also, it's just visually more appealing. I'm a visual person. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if there, and if there's an emergency going on, I mean, here in, here in Southern California, if there's an earthquake and I got to get out of there quick. I mean, I can't spend time rolling around on the paper, trying to find out where the, where the leading edge is. I'm not used to earthquakes. So I guess, yeah, I, I, I didn't think that one through now. I'm glad I know. Well, that is just one possible disaster that can happen out here. There's, we have all kinds of, you know, things. I'm glad my OCD is like a safety thing too. That's good to know. Oh, OCD. <laughs> we're we're going to talk about that too. I'm going to make a note. OCD. And I do apologize. I'm in one of these motels where like lights just turn on and off as they wish. So if it starts getting too dark, just let me know and I can switch lights on again. I thought maybe it was for ambiance or you had uh, yeah. like a, a dance just, studio. I just noticed at different times, different lights are starting to dim down. It wasn't intentional. All right. Next question. 
How do you pronounce the acronym GIF as in an electronic file picture? Oh, I say GIF. Does anyone say, oh, is it GIF or GIF? Is that what you're getting at? That's what I'm saying. Which, which one yeah. is correct? I'm GIF. GIF. Why, why GIF? That's a good question. GIF, GIF. GIF sounds like Jiffy Lube that you guys have out here, which is, we don't use, we don't say that back home. So <laughs> I'm going with GIF. <laughs> okay. GIF. <laughs> Yeah, it's a G. I mean, GIF, you would think would be with a J, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. GIF, okay. <laughs> All right, next next question. Cats or dogs? Okay, 110% dogs, but that doesn't mean I don't like cats. So I'm I'm pretty animal crazy. Um, I used to, well, I had a zoo growing up. I trained and competed in dog agility. And I, if you see a dog, you kind of have to control me. I have to realize there's an owner at the end of the lead sometimes. <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm all about dogs. Now, dog agility. Dog agility. Uh, two questions there. First question is, how do you spell that? Agility? A-G-I-L-I-T-Y. No, no. I, also can't spell. I thought you said, I thought you said dog agility. Dog shit. No, it's probably the internet. I noticed you froze for a minute. So I'm going to blame the internet on that. Okay. <laughs> so it, is it, so it's not dog agility. It's dog agility. That's correct. Oh man. I like dog agility better, but that's We can okay. call it that. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we just coined a new term, dog agility. I wish. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and tell, tell us what dog dog agility is all about. <laughs> Um, so I think most people by now have probably seen it on TV or something. And um, we have a big show back home called Crufts where they compete with it as well. But it's where, you know, where dogs go over jumps, over the seesaw, through hoops, through tunnels, all that jazz. And um, I, for several years when I was younger, I volunteered at a kennels and one of the ladies I worked with decided with her dog that they were going to go along to an agility session. I just joined her just for fun of it. And a few years later, I was competing in it decided I didn't want to keep competing and I actually wanted to teach and I think I don't know how many years maybe about eight years I taught agility and who's working harder out there the trainer or the dog oh uh, the dog's working harder and the trainer makes more mistakes there's a saying they used to use that was uh, what was it great dog shame about the handler because ah. as you start it is definitely the dog learning probably more, but the dog learns pretty fast. And then once the dog knows each piece of equipment, it's up to you to get them from each, like to get the sequence right. So I would say that the dog's got to rely on the human and that's not easy. <laughs> Great dog, shame about the handler. You know, I've heard that used in, in context of my podcast. Great podcast, shame about the interviewer. Oh, shame I'm about the host. <laughs> you know i could get my dog to get off the couch and go to the food bowl that oh, was the extent impressive. of his dog dog agility i'm sure it didn't take many turns to get that one going <laughs> he, he's a fast learner very fast what kind learner. of dog do you have i had a dog we we, we, we lost him last year he was a, a rescue uh, dog from the pound his name was peter and we did peter. one of those genetic tests and he was three quarters miniature doberman and one quarter mixed terrier. I didn't even know a miniature Doberman existed. That's quite yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. My, one of my dogs was a mixed Doberman was one of the ones, but big Doberman, definitely nothing miniature about him. <laughs> yeah. Mrs. Doc, Mrs. Doc grew up with two full-size Dobermans. And mm -hmm. I remember we started dating when we were 16 and she pulled, she was driving. She, I was in the passenger seat. She pulled into her backyard 
And these huge Dobermans are barking and jumping around the car. And she's like, come on, get out. And I'm like, I, I'm not getting out of the car. Are you kidding me? But they turned out to be the, the two biggest uh, They're softies. Uh, softies. They, were, they were great. So Clyde yeah. and Sheena. Yep. Oh, cute. Yeah, I miss, that's the hardest thing for me about traveling is not having a dog. That's, that's difficult, but one day. Okay, two more questions. You ready, Lucky Charm? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you use the Oxford comma? Okay, I'm from the UK, so I feel like I should know what that means, but I don't know what that means. Oxford's in the name, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so in this sentence, another way to ask this is, in this sentence, how many commas would you use? The American flag is red, white, and blue. Two. No, red, one. So you put a comma between red and white? Yeah. And no comma between white, white and the word and? No. No. You have to explain more to me here. I'm, I'm confused. So what, an Oxford comma would be putting the second comma in? That's correct. The Oxford comma is the second comma in a simple series of three items. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm very subtly, if that's the right word, dyslexic, and I was never good at spelling or grammar. So I, I can't even tell you if this is a difference of British language and American language, or I just am clueless. Well, I'm not sure if it's a difference between British and American, but I'm thinking that the, since the word Oxford is in, is in the, 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 the phrase, I, I would think this would, would stem from the UK. You know what I used to do as a kid all the time? I've always been bad at spelling. And if I was in America and like a word didn't make sense or was spelled differently, I'd always be like, that's the British way of spelling it. Or when I was in Britain, I'd be like, well, that's the American way of spelling it. And I'm sure it was just my way of spelling it most of the time. But hey, it, it saved me multiple times. <laughs> oh, you know what? You, you've you got, uh, I think you've got a great system where, you know, you had a, a was it a, an American mother or a Scottish mother? American mother and an English American father. American mother, Scottish father. Uh, English and, father. And just English father. Sorry, English yeah. English father. Oh, man, I don't want to make that mistake. No, you got to be so careful. English no, father, Scottish mother, chill, but. dyslexic, a little bit of OCD. I mean, there's, there's a whole multitude of things you could you could uh, lay blame to. And you wonder why I'm not at the top end of the same chart. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No, I've never thought about that, but no, it's a hot dog. Because if I order a sandwich, I wouldn't get a hot dog. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You've never thought about this. No. (laughs) I think about this daily. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, I I mean, I don't think our hot dog, um, I don't think that the British scene is huge on hot dogs. So I don't think it's a day-to-day occurrence for us. Not, not a lot of hot dog vendors on the sidewalks of Scotland or, or England. No. No? Get your brats right here. Come on over. Yeah, no, definitely not. You know, I get really excited every time I come out here to get a corn dog because they don't exist back home. That's probably a good thing. I think, I think I've read somewhere. I think I took a health sciences class in college that said that the, the, the unhealthiest thing you can put into your body is a corn dog. I don't want to know. I don't know Sorry. what you're talking about. It's beautiful nutrients. <laughs> well, I guess if you're on the trail, it's fine. True. Exactly. Everything. I you can eat fine. anything on the trail. 
I actually get really like a little bit disheartened every time I bring a friend out here or someone new to America and I get so excited about corn dog and I introduce them to it and I don't think I've ever met someone who liked it that I've introduced a corn dog to <laughs> and every time it hurts just as much. <laughs> is that kind of uh, your tool to determine who is going to be part of your family <laughs> or gonna, you're going to keep in touch with after the trail? Good question. I haven't seen a single corn dog on trail yet. Like I hadn't thought about them actually for a while. So that I don't know. That might be a new quota. Okay. Well, I'm glad we were able to rekindle <laughs> the magic here on the podcast. Yeah. I'm going to be on the search for one now. So what is your definition of a sandwich? A sandwich has got two pieces of bread and it can be a bun. It can be like regular sliced bread and whatever ingredients inside, which is a hot dog. Now that I say that out loud. And no, it, no, because no, I wouldn't have a sandwich with the hot dog meat. Okay. Now, what if the hot dog was wrapped in bacon? You're getting more convincing. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever had a bacon wrapped hot dog? I haven't. No. That sounds good, though. I yeah. once ate the hot dog dog on its own. I don't know. I, maybe it was one of these silly fads of like not eating carbs. Have you ever had a hot dog dog on its own? It's awful. It was horrendous. There was no flavor. A hot dog's all about the onions and the sauce on top. It's not about the meat inside. I am trying to parse what a hot dog dog is. A hot dog dog. <laughs> yeah, the doggy part of the hot dog. <laughs> the doggy part. Okay. Just the meat part? Yeah. Got it. Like the hot dog part without the bun. Not worth eating. Okay. This is this is this is good stuff. So is is a so a hot dog without the bun is a hot dog dog in your opinion <laughs> yeah. or is it just a hot dog you know when you get that thing where you say a word too many times and it doesn't sound like english anymore <laughs> and I'm starting to happen <laughs> all right hey let me do some quick math here we're going to tally up the score i gotta gotta carry the four gonna divide by root five we're gonna multiply by pi and we're gonna factor in the air pressure from your van your van's tires and I come up with a, a solid, a cheeky, as you said earlier, <laughs> a cheeky 55. Awesome. Excited about that? That score is like, oh, yeah. I'm on the same side of like crazy. Just, just on the side, just on the yeah, same side. Fun. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. We would love to hear about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of uh, activities you did as a kid and how you get involved, how you got involved in the through hiking cult. Whew. Okay. So as I said, born and bred Scotland um, mm -hmm. and whew, where to start. So I lived permanently in Scotland all the way through education to university. And um, as far as the hiking side of things, my father's always been, well, both of my parents have been outdoorsy. So my mom, when she was younger, was like a docent actually out here in California, one of the parts. And my dad, his, he works with statistics and animal populations. So he's always out in all sorts of cool places, counting animal populations. Um, and he also has a passion for hiking and more recently photography, like wildlife photography. And um, so when I was younger, um, my dad and I would particularly do quite a lot of hiking. So, which I think now my dad maybe wonders or wishes he hadn't got me into hiking so much now that it's landed me here. Um, but he was always taking me out. Like, I remember even just like Sunday afternoons, we'd often go for a walk and then it would be like a lunch in a cafe. And then as I got a little bit older, we went on a couple of longer distance hikes around the UK. 
Um, and sports wise, other than that, like I always played sports through school, a lot of hockey, lacrosse, a little bit of athletics. Um, and then as I went to university, I tr- they didn't have a lacrosse team. So I tried joining hockey again, um, but just couldn't get into it at uni. So I actually ended up setting up the lacrosse team at my university which was really rewarding. It was difficult because there was very few lacrosse players at the uni I went to. So kind of had to become like the umpire coach player all in one um, and sort of get this development team off the ground. But it was awesome. Um, But I think because of that and desperation through needing numbers to prove myself, I became kind of known as the crazy lacrosse girl at uni, which I was okay with. And so that was kind of my passion through uni. I think I, I, well, I know I put more effort into that lacrosse club than I did my degree probably. Um, So yeah, I was always kind of involved in sports, but then I really like, I'll do a day hike in my travels, but when you listen to the hiking I've done, it seems like I'm not accomplished, but like I've done hiking. It seems like I should be on a through hike. But honestly, when I started this hike, I felt like a fake hiker. I felt like a novice I did not feel like the kind of person who's prepared for this kind of a hike and the people around me were not convinced either they knew I was like crazy enough to give it a go they did not probably think that I had the skill sets to say that I should be out here and but we're pulling it off we're we're doing all right (laughs) fantastic you covered a lot of ground right there I've got some follow-up questions sure okay number one your dad's job he counted animals yeah he's got this skill where he can like walk around like a square kilometer and tell you how many species of a bird are there and how many of each species and it's crazy it's it's incredible actually is he he like a savant i mean does he have that kind of counting ability did you ever see rain man no i haven't i'm sorry you haven't seen rain man oh there's a scene there's a scene in rain man dustin hoffman is is playing an autistic uh, savant and uh, somebody drops a box of toothpicks in a restaurant and he looks at the floor and he, he says exactly, you know, that's you know, 437 toothpicks right there. That's hundred percent. My dad, like he can really? look at, like there's black cloud of birds in the sky and he'll like calculate that it's X amount of birds. And I'm like, all I see is a black blob. Like I don't understand. And he, on all my hikes, like I was so fortunate as a kid, he'd point out every flower. He knows all his species of trees and plants and, and wildlife and I, my bad memory. I didn't retain all this information. And now when I'm out here and I'm kicking myself, I wish I had his knowledge. I wish I'd retained more of what he tried to teach me. I'm, I'm envious of someone like that. Although, you know, I guess there could be another hiking pole question about, you know, is it better to have a perfect memory? or to always have uh, fun? I mean, which, which one of those superpowers would you want to have a, a, a fun outlook on life all the time or to have a perfect memory? I don't know. My memory has been a pain in the butt. So it's hard to let go of the idea of having it's a, a clo- perfect It's, it's very close to your heart. Yeah. This, this close <laughs> yeah. All right. Now you mentioned several times university, which, which you, it was a university in Scotland. Yeah, so I went to one called Robert Gordon University, which was in the city of Aberdeen, which is quite far north in Scotland. If you look at Scotland as a landmass, it's not that far north, but as far as cities and population go in Scotland, it's north. Okay. Now, I apologize to all of my Scottish listeners out there, but uh, who was Robert Gordon? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. 
That's this is a memory question I shouldn't be asking. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh no, don't quiz me about something I should know because I will embarrass <laughs> myself. And um, he will have been, so Aberdeen is a huge oil base and um, it was like the oil capital of the UK. And um, I want to say that possibly he was part of the oil industry, but that could also be a complete lie. And if I wasn't using my phone to record this, I'd be like trying to get an answer, a better answer for you, but we're just going to have to roll with the fact I don't know. <laughs> so Lucky Charm, what we do on this podcast is if, even if we don't know the answer, we just say, we say it with confidence and cool. you know what? 90% of the people aren't going to, aren't going to fact check us and look it up on the internet. The other 10%, they might look <laughs> it up and, and send us a, a nasty email, but you know, for, for most people, it's okay if you just, you know, go with, go with your gut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go with some kind of engineering guru. That's okay. my confident, not so confident he's, answer. He's not some Scottish war hero. I wish, but I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> Fighting side by side with the Frasers. Yeah, exactly. Fraser? Fra Fraser. Uh, I say Fraser. Fraser. I think it's Fraser. In the, yeah, because I think of, when you say Fraser, I think of the TV show out here that my mom used to watch when I was little. Look at you. You got, you got all the knowledge. Okay. And what was your degree? <laughs> I got all the knowledge and don't remember any of it when I need it. <laughs> <laughs> and what was your, your degree in from Robert Gordon? Uh, so I did three-dimensional art, which I finalized in product design. So that kind of com was comprised of um, glass, ceramics, jewelry, and product design. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. And this, this feeling of imposter syndrome out there on the trail. I think, I think a it's lot of real. us ex experience that, that, you know, even though we spent a lot of time out there, if we're, if we're, if we're trying some new endeavor, some bigger endeavor, uh, we feel like we're faking it. And, and also like, I didn't have any of my gear. So I had a pair of shoes and socks and that was it. So I ordered everything to San Diego. I picked it up from my aunt's house and I started the trail like five days later. So I was like that new kid with all the shiny gear that hadn't been broken in yet. That was probably a liability on trail. And um, so it, it didn't help with my imposter feeling. <laughs> now, Lucky Charm, I've talked to some people on this podcast uh, who their first experience, the first time ever putting on a pack, not that pack, but a pack, the first time putting on a loaded pack was at the start of the 2200 mile Appalachian Trail. Oof. Okay. Yeah. I'm not quite that bad. So I, I had done, so actually my long distance hiking with my dad, I didn't have a heavy pack because we would stay in B&Bs and stuff like that. Um, but I did do, I don't know if you've ever heard of Duke of Edinburgh, but it's a course that's run in the UK for kids when they're at school to experience like orienteering and camping and hiking. And we had to carry all our stuff for the longest would be a period of four days. So I definitely had had a packet on before, but this was all when kind of someone else was in charge and overseeing the situation. And, and I learned a lot then, but I was a lot younger. So this was like the first time as an adult putting on a pack and getting myself into this sort of stuff. Got it. Silly me. I thought the Duke of Edinburgh was uh, Prince Philip. Yeah. So it, it's because of him that that exists, that scheme exists. So I got, I got to meet him before sadly he popped his clogs. Before he what? Popped his clogs. Popped his clogs. I, is, well, I would say that's a British saying, but we certainly don't wear clogs. So does that come from Denmark? I don't know. Popped his clogs. That's what you say when someone passes. That's great. Popped his plugs. Okay. All right. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to go with some other euphemisms out there, but uh, you know, I, I'm just going to leave it at that. Popped his plugs. Um, Lucky Charm, what do you do currently to pay the bills and finance your adventures? 
So this was never the plan, but what seems to have happened is as of about five years ago, maybe five and a half years ago, I will work for, I guess, maybe three to five months, save as much as I can, and then I'll travel till my money runs out and repeat. Um, so I typically just get whatever job I can or what's appealing. So when I was in New Zealand first, where this kind of pattern all started, um, I call, I now call them like my Kiwi parents, but um, they own or they run like a 19 um, room motel. So I helped them run that when I was there. And then in Australia, I worked in a lodge as a receptionist. I also then worked briefly on a construction site. That was the new experience over in Perth, Western Australia. Um, and then I was on the ship briefly. And then when I lost my job from there, the next one was renting surfboards on the beach in Oceanside in California. And that transitioned into a sports job uh, or sports shop job when the surf season was over. And then went back to Scotland, worked in a restaurant for a wee while right next to Edinburgh Castle. And then now I'm here. Wow, that is quite a varied collection of jobs. Yeah, when people ask me what I do, I'm like, um, <laughs> whatever will take me basically is the short answer. <laughs> now, what I want to know is your dad at a glance able to count how many jobs you've had? Oh, yeah. And probably he wishes that it was a lower number, but <laughs> yeah, he would. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to hear about some of your adventures. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going, knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it, Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify has got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your pod podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app 
or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We are talking to Lucky Charm, who is called, where are you call, did we establish where you're calling from right now? I don't think I, I don't think we I'm did. I'm currently in Tehachapi. So I think that's mile five, six, six. I should know that. We're going to go with that. Five, six, six. Confidence there you go. is key. Say it with confidence. Say it with confidence. <laughs> Tehachapi, lovely little town. Prison. There's a prison, a federal prison in Tehachapi. <laughs> We actually got really lucky and a local picked us up when we were waiting for a shuttle to get from the trail into town. And yeah, he decided to tell us that on the way in. So that was cool. <laughs> Don't take a wrong turn. Yeah. Yeah. Shouldn't pick, okay. it, pick up hitchhikers in this area, but he, got, he picked us up. <laughs> yeah. This episode all came together pretty quickly. I mean, we had, we had a uh, message back and forth uh, via email and, and social media. And I knew you were out on the trail and just so happened that you're going to be in town taking a zero found that out yesterday and we, we scheduled this and here we are. So thank you. I was grateful you could do that because I'm not a planner. And so when I was trying to think logistics ahead, I was like, no, we're just going to have to go for spontaneity here. Spontaneity. There's a time and a place for spontaneity. This is true. More so than less, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Lucky Charm, in the first segment, you mentioned uh, a lot of different places that you've been that you you've had the chance to travel to how did how did you end up in new zealand and australia um i guess this seems to be such a common story with travel and um, but i did the whole had a really bad breakup and um, went through a couple of traumatic things didn't know what i was doing with life and um when i was younger i was fortunate enough to go out to new zealand and it would always been in the back of my head that i'd like to go to new zealand again because i'd only seen the north island and i'd heard that the south was even better so I honestly don't remember the thought process or the process of booking a ticket, but I decided that I was going to go to California for the summer with my mom, spend a bit of time seeing family. And then I was going to go, I think it was meant to be about a two month holiday in New Zealand. So I go out to New Zealand and I just fall in love with everything that happened out there. The travel aspect, the people I met, the freedom, the views and living out of a backpack and Long story short, like I never turned around and was like, okay, I'm going to stay here a year. I just kept delaying coming home because I was like, I don't know what I'm going home for. I didn't know what career I wanted to do. I didn't know what I, what direction my life was going in. So I was like, why am I rushing home to something I don't know that what I want to do when I'm having such a good time out here? So I just kept saying my poor parents, I was like, just one more month, one more month. And that, that turned into a year. So I ended up probably working. I worked down in a place called Wanaka, which is like my home away from home now. It's, it's got a very special place in my heart. Uh, Wanaka in the South Island. I worked there for maybe six months of the year and traveled about six months of the year. Um, and I just am obsessed with New Zealand. I could talk about it all day long. And then I was actually meant to have a layover in Australia before going to a friend's wedding in America. So I was going to stay there. It was a long layover. I think it was going to be about a month or something, maybe two months. And then I was going to go to this wedding. So I decided to do a west, uh, uh, East Coast road trip down through Uluru, through the outback, and then fly out of Melbourne to the wedding. Now we're in Uluru and my dear friend calls me, poor thing, in tears. And I find out the wedding isn't going ahead anymore. So that was obviously devastating news. Um, and I didn't really realize how much I had made my plans around her wedding. And so kind of last minute, I'm like, well, now I have freedom to stay here longer. And that proceeded. So I'd obviously already done the East Coast, come down through the outback, went to Melbourne. I then had time to go to Tasmania. So I went over there, 
decided to work in Tasmania for about seven weeks and travel. Um, and I ended up being in Australia for a total of 15 months. So after Tasmania, I flew back to Melbourne. I did the South Coast all along through Adelaide, all the way out to Western Australia, which is where I lived and worked for about four or five months in Perth. And um, I then finished the road trip and kept on going up the West Coast as far north as Darwin. Um, and that kind of completed the road trip. I went back to uh, Perth and lived there a little bit more and that finished Australia. So I ended up being there a total of 15 months. Wow. You know what I pulled out of that story, uh, Lucky Charm, is that what a what a great thing that that wedding got canceled. Is that what you're saying? I, well, yes, now because she's now married to another lovely fellow who I think is great for her. So yes, actually, I can say that now. At the time, okay, that felt like a bad thing to say. <laughs> but no, now I can agree. So, all right. I mean, what a great region of the world to explore. I'm, I'm very well, jealous. I've always wanted to, to head down that way and, and see Australia and New Zealand. And I had a chance to talk to uh, Tip Tap, uh, Elena Osborne, who did the PCT. She is from New Zealand. And uh, it was great talking to her. And she also did the, uh, the TA in, in New Zealand. And so just awesome. hearing about those experiences, just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I am obsessed with both, like all my experiences and just the land of New Zealand and Australia. And so many people, like this is what I keep trying to tell people about is these working holiday visas. So that's how I had access to those countries and was able to afford the travel is for anyone, it depends what nationality you're from, but up until the age of 30, you're entitled to a year or two years of a working holiday visa is what it's called. So that gives you the opportunity to work and earn money, to have money to do the travel. Um, and that's, yeah, that's how I was able to do all that. Cause I have a lot of people, I think, look at my travels and think I had a load of savings before going and that I never worked and I just had fun. And I, I had a lot of fun, but I worked too. And that's how I was able to do it for such a long period of time. Well, with the trail name Lucky Charm, I mean, people just assume <laughs> that you're from a trust fund. So yeah, yeah. And no, no, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have parents that I'm sure would bail me out if they needed to, but my parents are very much like you go work for what you need. So, um, no, I, I'm, I'm careful with my money. I save hard and I play hard too. So I skimp where I need to, so I can do things like diving and all the other fun stuff that costs. You know, my parents told us growing up that we, we got one phone call from jail. We got one, one get out of jail <laughs> yeah. call. I think if, my parents, if it was same. more than that, then, you know, you're on your own buddy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would, my parents would be on the same line. And just a note to the listeners out there, I haven't used that call yet. So <laughs> sure. I'm saving it up. I'm saving it up. <laughs> All right. And then let's fast forward a little bit. You found yourself stuck in Oceanside, trapped. Yeah, I say stuck because I certainly felt far from trapped. So yeah, there okay, are so there are worse places to be trapped, right? Than Oceanside, oh, California. Yeah, especially where I was. So Okay, so we did the year in, in New Zealand, we did the 15 months in Australia, and this is when I realized I was addicted to the lifestyle and I didn't want to finish. Um, and so I thought I should probably go home and check in with the parents at this point, I had been home for what two and a half years. So I threw Singapore, I think it was went back to Scotland for about three weeks. Um, and then I decided Actually, I didn't decide. I was at a house party and this girl had found out about working for National Geographic cruise ships, but she was really upset. She found out you have to be an American and she's complaining about how she can't work on this ship. She's not American. In my ears, I'm like trying to look out for the next cool job. And I'm like, 
cool because I have an American passport as well. So this poor girl, uh, probably about four weeks later, I had the job that she wanted to have. <laughs> and I flew out to America. And within a couple of weeks, I was on, it was the National Geographic Quest ship. Uh, I'd never had an interest in working on cruise ships, but the National Geographic ones are a lot smaller. Like we had a maximum, I think it was 200 um, passengers. And we just go to more remote areas. And they're obviously trying to um, introduce the people that are on these kind of cruises to the wildlife and the conservation projects that they're doing and everything. So it's just different. It's not like these cruise ships with like a circus on it and stuff like that. So way more up my alley. Um, and I was really enjoying it. I mean, the, the work's not glamorous, but the, the perks are pretty decent. Um, and then this little thing called COVID came along and we got like, I don't know, 72 hours notice we we're going to lose our jobs. And we got like 24 hours notice that we had to give them an airport to fly to. And I had asked if I could possibly. So at this point, I was dating my girlfriend who was still in Australia. So I just kind of asked if I could either fly to Australia or fly to Scotland because I'm not even though I have the American passport. I'm not from there. It took them 24 hours to tell me no. So by this point, I had like 12 hours to give them an answer. And so my mom, I call her my non-biological aunt. It's my mom's high school friend. And I knew she lived in San Diego. And I message her and I'm like, okay, so I will be landing in San Diego in about a day's time. If you're able to pick me up, that's really awesome. If you can't, no worries, I'll figure it out. And um, then the, the ship cut off the internet. So I wasn't even sure if she was gonna be able to get me, I think until I got Wi-Fi when I was on my layover in Texas or something. And the angel that she is, she of course was there. She picked me up and what we thought was just gonna be a few weeks of me waiting for COVID to pass and I'd get back on the ship again, turned into me living with her for, I think it was a year. So that's how I ended up in Oceanside. Wow. And you found out about this job at a, at a house party. Yep. And I felt really bad. I messaged my friend who I knew, knew the girl and told her, I was like, I don't know if you want to tell her, but like, it feels like rubbing it in her face, but I also want to tell her, thank you for telling me about the job because I didn't even know about it until she had said she wanted it, but couldn't have it. I felt a bit mean. <laughs> nice. And how do you have an American passport? So, cause my mom's American and I think back in the day, so what I'm 29, 29 years ago, I guess it was easier to get an American passport if your parent is an American. So even I though I was your mom, born, I thought your mom was Scottish. No, my mom's from California. Oh, I am so confused. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really botched this. Yeah, that's yeah. why. Like, I, I am Scottish, but I'm. That's why I also feel fake Scottish because my dad's from England, my mom's from California. She did the docent work on the park in like one of the uh, recreation areas out here and stuff. But I grew up in Scotland. Got it. So my listeners out there who are listening and saying. Doc, what are you, what are you doing? I mean, we knew this when she explained it the first time, you know, 45 minutes ago, I thought your mom was Scottish and your dad was English. This you is even the, more, this is even more complex. The mom was American. Dad was, dad is, is English and you grew up in Scotland. Nailed it. And you know what, okay. as a kid, I used to say I was two people because I used to always say I'm half American and half like English, but then I knew I was Scottish. So I decided as a kid, I was two people because I was a whole Scottish. I was half American, half English. And that equals two. Okay. And you, you know, now that you're talking, now, now that we're talking through this again, I, I think I remember, I remember the original version and then and now I got confused. So, all right, right, we're back, we're back on track. We're back on track. All right. Now your, your eyes really lit up. I'm not sure if we were on air or if it was off air and we, we were talking about, I think it was on air because you were talking about van life and the, the couple that you had listened to. 
your eyes yeah. lit up when you mentioned van life. And so I, yeah. tell me, tell me about why you're so excited about that. I get so excited about van life. And it's funny because like it's in fashion now. And I guess it was when I did it, but like I never saw van life on Instagram and wanted to do that. That's not how it worked. It was more that all my traveling around Australia and New Zealand was in a car road tripping. I love road tripping is where it came from. Um, but most of my travels, it was a tent. We would throw up a tent or we'd sleep in the back of the like four by four car around New Zealand and Australia. Um, so what happened is my girlfriend and I, through COVID, we got separated for about 15 months, which is a heck of a long time. So we had decided because we had been forced to stop over COVID, we actually had a little bit more money. I usually travel super budget. So this was kind of luxurious to me. And I just said, like, I want to do the road trip thing, but let's get something that's comfortable to be in. So that kind of made sense of that. It had a bit more space, like could kind of have a bit of a kitchen in it rather than just the stove you haul out of the car and don't want to just have to repack everything and make your bed every night. That gets a bit tedious. And we were planning this road trip for five months. So that was the main reason to kind of want to go for comfort. Um, so that's really how the van life thing came around. I We had originally planned through COVID to start traveling South America. And we just got really frustrated that we couldn't plan that because obviously things went south through COVID. But as things opened up again and felt safer and the parks were opening up, we knew we could plan a trip in America. And at this point, it looked safe. It felt reasonable. And we knew we could just start planning something and plan to see each other again. And I had always said, I think it was about six years ago when I did a short road trip with my mom, that when I retire, when I win the lottery, I want to see all the national parks in America. Because when I was struggling a little bit with depression and everything prior to traveling, we went to a few national parks. And that's when I first fell in love with the parks. I just, the variety of scenery in this country is just incredible to me. And so I kind of talked my girlfriend into this idea. She'd been waiting to travel for a few years and America had not been the top of her list. So I had to do a little bit of bribery. Uh, it didn't take too much though. And yeah, we started the van search, which that's not the fun part. <laughs> um, but that was the beginning of starting the van life thing. Okay. And Lucky Charm, can we just talk, take a minute and talk about how van life, that, that there's been no bigger turnaround in public opinion than van life. I mean, back in the day, you said you lived in a van, you know, people, people, people kind of looked down on you and said, Oh, tough times. And, you know, there's, there's some stigma attached to that. And now, I mean, you've got all kinds of people posting on Instagram about van life. Hashtag van life yeah. is, a, is a huge, huge hashtag out there. People pay more than a house worth for some of these van builds. It, I, it blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm going to leave with this topic. And my biggest piece of advice to anyone ever who wants to get into van life is don't even touch a van without getting a pre-purchase inspection. Do not purchase a van because even though we told ourselves we were going to, we took a risk and that went so wrong. <laughs> That's a whole other story. Uh, so if you're going to buy a van, get a pre-purchase inspection. Okay. That's almost like a pro tip right there, but oh. It's not the yeah. pro tip. It, it should be the pro tip. I'll say it again then. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a stressful time of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now you mentioned something there that I want to come back to, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say what it is right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come yep. back to it in just a second. I want to talk about where where has van life taken you? What have you been able to do with the van? So we, so like I said, I'd always had this dream of seeing the national parks and the reality, what happened is we managed to tick off 50 of 51 national parks. We did it in four months. 
we planned it in five, but because of the disaster of the van at the beginning of the story, our time got cut a little bit. Um, and it was honestly, it was such a, an incredible trip that we're still processing it to this day. We saw so much in such a short amount of time that we still sit back sometimes and just kind of take in what we saw. Um, yes, we would have loved a little bit more time, but honestly, it, it was doable um, in the time that we did it. And we had an incredible time. 50 of 51. Now, I, I would be remiss if I did not ask, what is the one you missed? Oh, yeah, it, it, that was a sad moment when we were able to get that last one. So we were in Key West in Florida, and there's one called Dry Tortugas. It's an island right off the tip of Key West, and you can only get there by a boat or a plane. And they were sold out. We still tried. We went there first thing in the morning. We chanced our luck at a cancellation. We did everything we could. We chanced our luck at the canceled expensive plane, everything. There, there were no options. But we still took a snorkeling trip that went like on the outskirt of the island. So we like we saw the the fish and snorkeled around and tried to Tortugas. We just haven't stepped foot. And the important bit is we haven't got the stamp. So we got stamps at every other park that you know the passport. Have you seen mm -hmm. those? The national parks? Yeah. yeah. You've got two kinds of people: the people who laugh at that and the people who like they live by those books. We we love those passport books. So we got to go back. Now, Lucky Charm. I know you, you've mentioned OCD. How are you able to get through each day knowing that you've done 50 of 51 national parks? I mean, that would, that would seem, it would seem like me, seem like it would eat away at you. It seems to me. Yeah. I had to actively do some like mental <laughs> processes when we were in Florida, but you know what? It was so darn hot and sweaty in Florida. I think I focused on just staying alive as a Scottish person in the humidity that it didn't wear me down too much and I've just accepted I'll go back one day. So. Okay. Now I'm going to ask a question. I have no idea what the answer is. You may tell me to go pound sand. It's none of my business, <laughs> but you mentioned, you mentioned depression. And mm -hmm. I know that, uh, I know that a lot of folks out on the trails um, are, are working on stuff. Is this, mm -hmm. do you, do you, do you think that depression has been a, a, a force in your life that has, has pushed you in this direction to experience all that you can out there? hundred percent. So what I realized was, so I went through consecutive events of the typical boyfriend cheating on me. And then I was, we were first on the scene of a fatal car crash and all these deep issues that went on when I think it was about a six month period where I just could not, I tried, I tried the counseling, I tried everything. I tried medication. I dabbled with, it. I didn't want to, but I just, I needed something. And it wasn't until my mom and I went to California that summer and I stepped foot. I still remember the moment that I was on the rim of Bryce Canyon. And when we were on that road trip, I didn't look at pictures before going to places. And I still remember the spot I was stood on. We went back there on our road trip this last year again, and it still makes me emotional. But I remember being stood there. I remember watching the little chipmunks run around and I remember watching the sun go down. And that was the first moment I realized what pure joy was to me. And ever since I've chased good views, like I really say that scenery, it like gives me goosebumps, it's crazy, but like scenery is my medication. Like I weaned myself off the medication on that road trip. I've never felt like going back on it seriously again. And I think that's how I've ended up in this traveling lifestyle is because scenery just makes me so happy. And that's why where I lived in New Zealand and Wanaka, I was right on a lake. And that view just, it, it, it did me wonders. Like I really top up my like happiness levels by being outdoors with good views. You're chasing that high. 
Absolutely. Yeah. But you had him, Bryce Kane. Yep. Wow. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> that, that's a, yeah. that's a fantastic story. Yeah. And for some yeah. of the bad memory, I remember it real well. <laughs> Crystal clear. <laughs> yeah. Now what possessed you to say, okay, so you've had a lot of experiences. I mean, you know, a year in New Zealand, 15 months in, in Australia, cruise ship, uh, 24,000 miles in four months in a van, 50 of 51 national parks. How does that, how do you make the jump from that kind of experience, that kind of travel experience to, Hey, I'm going to hike from Mexico to Canada on the Pacific Crest Trail. What, what caused that? Oh, you know, it's funny. So I had a friend, I, uh, the my typical stories, I had a friend who did it. So a girl that I met when I was living in Wanaka, shout out to Treya. She did it in 2019. And I remember when she did it, she'd send me voice notes and I could hear her footsteps in the back. And I just, that's what put it on my radar. And I remember thinking, I want to do that one day. That sounds cool. And so it was kind of back in my mind on the bucket list. Now then COVID hits and I got really comfortable at being at home, sitting down, not doing a whole lot. And I still clearly remember, oh my gosh, I can't believe I almost got myself into something like that. Like, yes, I like being outdoors, but I'm not that outdoorsy. I'm, I, I don't want to have to set a tent up every night. I don't want to have to cook on a stove every night. Like that's a lot of miles. That sounds almost awful. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like, thank goodness that was a close call. And then when we were on our road trip, we went through um, Crater Lake and I remember seeing a guy who now I know he was a through hiker, but I wondered if he was at the time because you get used to the gear now, you know, who's who. And I remember that kind of struck the like, but that looks kind of cool. Like, that's a cool idea again. And honestly, the selling point for me <clears throat> was we drove past the Sierras. Now I'm named after the Sierras and I just saw them and I was like, I need to hike those. I need to experience the Sierras if I'm named after them. And they give me this, you know how I said how important a good view is to me. It gave me that warm, fuzzy feeling. And I was like, if I'm going to hike the Sierras, I might as well just do the PCT. Um, but when I had that thought process, my girlfriend and I had done 15 minutes, uh, 15 minutes, I wish, 15 months of long distance. She flew to America. We'd only been together maybe four or five months again. I don't want to turn around and be like, hey, so I'm going to go walkies again for six months. Like, so I kind of kept it to myself. I internalized it. I thought I'll just plan for future time, maybe a few years from now. And the more, I, like you'll probably know being in this community, and the more you think about a through hike, it becomes an addiction and I just couldn't let go of it. And because we have other plans coming up in the future, just time-wise, it kind of turned out to be, I do it this year, or I might have to wait about four years and I'm not a waiter. So, um, but I still, up until the reason I ordered on my gear so last minute is because still the middle of March, I'm still telling people I'm doing it and internally thinking, actually, I might just travel Europe with my girlfriend. That seems easier. That seems like safer. Like, and then I don't know what happened. I got fear of missing out. Her poor thing. I roped my girlfriend into doing about half my research. We were there in two weeks. We crashed out, choosing all my gear, ordering it, getting it sent. It, it, it caused a near heart attack, I think, but we pulled it off. <laughs> and that's how I ended up on the PCT. I, I didn't know what I was doing until I hit the trail and I realized I was on it. And it sounds like she's really supportive incredibly like obviously when I told her I wanted to do it her first thing was I'd rather not be apart for six months again but she said the thing is the thing I love about you is your adventurous side so she's like you got to go do this so and she she wishes she could be doing it too but her dream right now is to travel Europe so she's making that dream happen while I make this happen does she have a trail name 
No, she doesn't. But I mean, this poor girl, she loves hiking, but her feet are useless at hiking. Like that, we did hikes around the national parks, obviously last year. That girl, she can create a blister faster than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, FOMO, you, you fear of missing out. You thought uh, if you if you're gonna put it off for four years, uh, that that'd be too long to wait. Well, I was half scared I'd talk myself out of it because I'd already yeah. talked myself out of it once. And also you just like you're never guaranteed tomorrow, like a, a bit of a heavy topic, but I was doing uh, temp work before traveling during this time when I was going yeah. through the depression. And so that meant that I'd fill in the office work for places that were down a member of staff or needed help. And for the positions I was at, I was covering for people who had just died from cancer or just been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And all these people were within a year of their retirement age. And I was like, something's wrong here. Like, why wait for a time that you're not guaranteed? And I think that started the idea of let's like do more of what I want to get done now. And it just opened my eyes that like we're not guaranteed anything. So um, I feel quite strongly about that. And that's probably also another reason how I've ended up with this lifestyle at the moment. Yeah, that really resonates with me. Not we're not guaranteed anything, and I, I, I'm I'm currently full time employed, and I, I wonder about that. You know, if I work till I'm sixty, and then you know sixty one, I kick off. I uh, what do I, I pop my clog. Um, what, <laughs> what, what, what is what what is the point? What is the point? And I, I also you can pop one clog. I think you have to pop both. <laughs> I have to pop both clogs, not just one. So. Got to leave one here and the other down under. I don't think, but I'm gonna go know. with pop popping the clog. Okay, popping the clog. What is it? say with say with confidence, Sarah? Don't uh, yep. don't contradict me. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> and then also the 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 this whole concept of the mind worm of of this concept, this idea getting inside your head and just festering and wiggling around and gnawing at you until you commit wholeheartedly mm -hmm. to you know what i've got to do this and i'm always looking for the next excuse to not sit and do a job for too long so like i, I was starting to run out of ideas because the only reason i ended up back in scotland was because my girlfriend had to do her working holidays in the uk last year because you have to like i said do it before you're 30 and she was turning 30 and so that's why i was there and i kind of had this feeling of like i'm here for her which i'm happy about but two years of being here for her was a bit long for me like i didn't want to be home i actually wanted to be in canada originally before meeting her so this was kind of the compromise it was like i can go off and still do something that ticks my selfish boxes and she can still get what she's after right now um, and it just seemed perfect because i can still go home and spend quality time but i'm now off getting my adventure fixed too and I don't seem to like to do things in, in small amounts, I guess. So here we are five months. I was like, great. That's, that's long enough for me to get a full fix of adventure. And has the PCT been what you've, you expected it to be? Honestly, actually more so than I thought it would be. So I expected to be unexpected. Does that make sense? I don't think so, but you get what I'm saying. <laughs> um, I was expected to be shocked a bit more. And um, I think I'm still processing a lot, um, but I have been surprised that I'm not in more discomfort and pain. Now, that doesn't mean I've not been in pain. I absolutely have had the horrible blisters. I've limped, I've looked a mess, I've struggled with stuff, but I really thought I'd be much more of a broken human. And it's more just like, I'm amazed at the human body. Like 
you can feel so broken one day and then you wake up the next day and a bit of stretching and movement and you're kind of back to being in rhythm and that surprised me and um, the people like everyone talks about like the cool characters that you meet it's just the exposure you have like the people are how I expected them to be but it's the quantity of interactions you have which I love like I thrive off that every time you have a lunch break you're like meeting a new person or you're meeting someone that you've met a couple of days ago and that really is fun and I'm enjoying that probably more than I thought I would and um, I think everyone says that the social side it'll be fine when you're out here it's easier than you think and the people are definitely what I wanted them to be but it's kind of hard because when you're hiking to find someone who wants to go the same speed as you wants to do the same mileage as you and then wants to spend the same amount of time in towns I haven't found that as easy as I thought I would to find a group of people um, and it's so hard because every time there's people you want to be around but then for different reasons you've got to go different paces and that's an ongoing work in pro like progress like right now I'm hiking with people I really want to head out tomorrow but I, it's looking like I might have to take one more day off and it's an it's an ongoing work to stay on top of that kind of social side. Okay. What has been your favorite part so far? Oh, and do you mean section of trail? Section of or trail or, or moment, moment, uh, aspect, your, your interpretation. You know, my favorite thing is, especially when you're, which we, I did not, okay, Pacific Crest Trail. Why did I not realize that meant hiking on a crest so much? After about five days of going up and down, up and down, I was like, I get it. Now it's the Pacific Crest Trail. Crests aren't built on like low level. Oh my gosh, we go up and down so much. It's, it's in the name, just like the Oxford comma. I don't know why, why, why did I not realize that in all my research? They, they do that. They, they turn it into PCT. So you don't realize how much cresting there is. Anyway, um, but what does make it so rewarding is when you are on a, a mountaintop or you're dying in the heat, dying of being out of breath and you turn around and you look at a mountain way off in the distance. And right now I'm thinking about, we were coming up to Wrightwood. We turn around, we sit down on a hairpin turn. We're having a break. And someone goes in the distance, like talks about a mountain way off the distance. You're like, I wonder if that's San Jacinto. And I'm like, nah, we were there just a few days ago. It can't be. Turned out it was. And I was like, my two legs got me from that summit to where I am right now, just in X amount of days. And that blew my mind. Because if you were to plonk me in that spot, not having hiked and said, hike over there, I tell you, not a chance. I'll die. Like that, that seems impossible. And so just being aware of what the body's able to achieve when you're out here. And just hiking along, knowing your whole house is on your back and everything you need to survive. It's such an empowering feeling. Like I've, I, hadn't, I haven't experienced that before. So that's probably my most favorite thing so far. That is one of the coolest things about long distance hiking is being able to turn back at the end of a day or at the end of a, you know, uh, looking back from the ground you've covered the last couple of days and saying, I went from there to here on my own two feet. That's uh, it's pretty amazing. And like parts will absolutely be hard, but the overall picture, it wasn't that hard. Like you're okay. And you're still walking and it's, it's crazy cool. Okay. Now lucky charm. Uh, this has been such a fun interview. I have to get a commitment from you right now that you're going to come back on the podcast. When oh, sure. you're done, when you're done with the PCT, the Pacific crest trail uh, <laughs> and, and tell us how the rest of the trip went. Absolutely. Cause I'm, I'm not yet gone through what I'm hoping to be my favorite bit, the Sierras. That's how I, that's how I ended up here. So we've got to talk about that once I've gone we through it. Definitely need to talk about the Sierras. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're on the hook for another episode and our listeners will be happy to hear that.
I'm down. <laughs> okay. Hey, I've got an impromptu top five list for you. Okay. Yeah, I've I've been we we you've rattled off quite a few different occupations, and so I I just want to know what are your what are your top five favorite jobs that you've held? What are the what are the job? Just give me the job titles. Um. Oof. Okay. Well, I a few of them have been the same. So you know what? I didn't expect this, but waitressing might have to go up at number one because the physical aspect of it, along with the people you meet, I thrived off that. I really loved it. And I think it trained me for this hike without having to <laughs> go to the gym every day, the amount of steps I was doing. Um, I do love, I loved doing reception work, like at the motel that I was working at in New Zealand, because I essentially got to promote the area I was in and I just loved it. So that just felt so natural. It didn't feel like a job. Um, I'm trying to think what to fill in the the construction work maybe after that just because it was so different and like plonk me in amongst a load of Aussie construction like men and there was like four other girls when I first started that was weird and wacky in its own way um and then the cruise ship because of the exposure but the work itself was a little bit average and then we're gonna put any like of the kind of more office work down at the bottom because I don't like sitting all day so that's gonna go last Okay. That was a great top five. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Lucky Charm, you know where we are? Oh, yes. I remembered something. <laughs> the pro tip, pro tip of the week. That's right, oh, Half Calf. We are at that time of the episode where Lucky Charm is going to share some trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. I hope you held something in reserve, Lucky Charm. I love how like Half Calf kind of does, does go a little bit Aussie there, doesn't she? Yeah, just just wait. I mean, there there's more to come from her, and uh, you know she is she is 100 American. She's 100 Southern Californian. And uh, when I asked her to Not get involved, in <laughs> yeah, I, I asked her to get involved and help me out with with you know maybe doing some transitions, some intros. She she loves trying to talk in in what she thinks is an English accent. I am I'm not sure. And in fact, I talked to. Uh, who was I talking to just the other day? He was from uh, Wales. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Sean like Sean Owen Sean Owen from Wales. We, we talked to him, and I, I asked him his opinion of her accent, and he says that's not from anywhere around here. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I also have to ask, and I'm sorry, maybe you've covered this in another episode, but I haven't heard it yet. Why is she called half calf? Oh, that's a good question. So her freshman year of high school, her last day of school. Uh, she got out and we went on a hike, a local, local hike. And of course I've been doing hikes all the time, trying to get her out to do some hikes. That's, it's kind of a stretch, but we got her out. And so she and I are hiking and we've got Peter with us. We're walking Peter and we're doing this trail and, and there's a lot of uphill. And of course she's pulling up behind and she's like, dad, your calves are just ripped. <laughs> and uh, she goes, your, your trail name should be calf master. And so I, I said, I turned around, I said to her, well, if I'm calf master, what does that make you? And we arrived on half calf. That's, that's I love I that. I was actually walking with a guy like a day or two ago. He's called calves. Good guy. So that's fun. <laughs> okay. So pro tips. So what I had done is I'd saved one for van life and one for PCT related. Now okay. we've already done the van life one, but I'm going to say it again. And I'm going to give you the quick story if we have time, but the okay. whole get a pre-purchase inspection, because what happened I used to be a tra like budget traveler. I still am. So when my girlfriend and I thought we were going to go luxurious, that still meant budget van. We bought a van that someone sold to us that did not work. Long story short, it didn't even drive straight. 
And my poor girlfriend's first experience of ever driving in America was through LA rush hour in a van that doesn't go straight over 40 miles per hour. Why she's still with me, I have no idea, but she's stuck with it. Um, long story short, um, <laughs> this sounds so American, but my mom has a retired lawyer as a friend who took it on his back to pursue suing the people who sold us the van because they know what they were doing. And we got asked to go on Judge Judy. Unfortunately, we didn't actually go on the show because both parties have to agree, um, which obviously people sold the spam in. But it was fun to be asked anyway. I thought it was a spam call. Turns out it was true. Um, as of a few months ago, we actually won the case. Uh, one, who knows if we'll ever see the money. Um, but we ended up doing the repairs to that van so that we could sell it on with a clear conscience because we wanted to break the bad karma of it. That van got called BBT, Big Black Turd. It was this big spray-painted black van. We should have known from get-go that that was nothing good. Anyway, we flipped that. That's what soaked up about a month of our time. We quadrupled our budget. and <laughs> We dived head into getting a Mercedes Sprinter high top, which ended up being probably the best thing I'll ever own. We love that van. We miss it daily. Um, but anyway... We didn't get a pre-purchase inspection on the first one. And you see how that went. We did on the second one and it was incredible. So do not do van life or probably buy a car without getting pre-purchase inspection. I'll save you a lot of buddy. We nearly lost about 10 grand in that situation. But we managed that's to it. turn it around and lose a little bit less, but don't that do that. Is a, that's a great pro tip for van life. And is, is there a sadder, is there a sadder commentary than uh, the being the, the typical, you know, the, the most typical American thing is, is, uh, suing somebody, finding yeah. a lawyer, suing somebody and trying to get on judge Judy. That, that says a lot about our current state of affairs. Yeah. And my girlfriend had been in the country, what, four weeks and she sued someone and been asked to be on judge Judy. She was like, well, heck when in Rome, like <laughs> welcome to America. There you go. Yeah. That's exactly her words. Um, okay. And then my tip now is very PCT specific, but, um, and I also actually now thinking about it, you should reach out to who I'm speaking about maybe, and you might want to get her on the podcast, but she's called Morgan and she owns a company called Blaze Physio. And this year is her first year doing it. She's living in a red van and she is following the PCT bubble and she's a traveling physio and she's wonderful. She travels with her dog, Honey, who's a golden retriever. And she's here just to support us. And she works off of a donation basis. So if there's someone out here that needs her help and can't afford it, she's there for them. Um, but it is a job for her. And she's hoping to do it every year. So she hiked back in 2019. She's just an awfully lovely woman in general. And she also has a dog like that helps. That's <laughs> probably the best therapy of it all. And she's here. She's got the knowledge. She's got the skills. I actually saw her earlier today. And so I recommend anyone planning to hike the PCT, you save her number in your phone, you follow her on, and we've got her on Far Out and also Instagram and all, all that good stuff. And she's just such a good contact to have because if you get yourself in a pickle, she can turn up in her van if she's in that bubble or she'll do Zoom calls as well to figure out people's problems. And it just, like she says, sometimes all people need is peace of mind um, and sometimes they need a lot more and she's there to do both of those. So it's really cool having her as a contact this year on the trail. Okay. That is fantastic. Got two for one right there. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Lucky Charm. Want to thank her for joining us this week. Uh, Lucky Charm, how can our listeners keep up to you, keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? So definitely Instagram's the best place and it's just Sierra PB. So Sierra like the mountains and then PB like peanut butter. Easy enough to remember. Yeah. I'm trying to do the whole blogging thing on the trek, which I think is where you found me in the first place. 
but I've only got one post up yet. And I'm working at doing more, but the brain energy out here is lacking compared. That's one of the things I didn't expect is I thought I'd have more time to write and chill. Oh, no. <laughs> Not so much. Yeah. All right. Hey, remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakamir at gmail.com. The Adventure Media Recommendation. Okay. <laughs> Lucky Charm, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, or you know some kind of adventure media out there to keep our listeners connected to the trail. Call us our adventure media recommendation. What do you have for us? So this is where I admit that I'm not a reader and I don't watch TV at all really anymore. And I don't have great movie knowledge. So I'm really useless at this. Um, and you know what's really funny? You brought Outlander up before <laughs> when I first read the like notes. I was like, I wonder if I should talk about Outlander because that can introduce people to Scotland, but it's not really relevant to adventuring. So all I've really got for you is the van life community or people who want to do more camping. Um, I really recommend following um, it's a lady on Instagram, she's divine on the road. But she also has some podcasts and a website where she has documented a lot of the really good BLM campsites, which while you're trying to get outdoors, if you don't want to spend a lot of money on camping, um, she's got an interactive map there where you can zoom in and check out. She's got notes about the each individual campsite. And on our road trip, I think we spent, I might get this wrong, but I think it was about $130 each on accommodation. And that's four months on the road because we use BLM land, like camping spots. Wow. So that if you can camp for free, you can go so much further on your travels. So I really think she's great. She's called Sydney and her handles divine on the road. And she does also have a podcast. So if you're looking for anything van life related, she also travels with dogs. She's really good at putting out information that you need to know. And she's good at documenting the free campsites. You, you keep pitching those dogs pretty hard. They've got a dog. <laughs> they got it. That's gotta be a good person to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Like if someone has a dog, I instantly like them. Okay. <laughs> What have we not asked you? All right. And before we wrap things up, we've got one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about? So this is where I should tell you about why I was so excited when you messaged me is because, so John Muir, he was actually born in Scotland in a place called Dunbar. And that's where my ex is from. And I spent a little bit of time like living with his parents sometimes. So that's the first connection. He's also born on the 21st of April. The year's a little bit different, but same as my birthday. He founded the Sierra Club. I'm called Sierra. And I'm like beyond obsessed with the national parks. I sometimes feel like a walking advertisement, like when I'm in other countries about the national parks in America, because I'm just so like amazed with how good they are. So I just feel like there's got to be, there's some connection with me and John Muir. I don't know what it is yet, but there's got to be something in there. That's too many parallels. Yeah. This interview was meant to happen. Exactly. Yeah. When you messaged me, I was like, yes, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> All right. Hey, that's a wrap from the John Freaky Mirror studio. Any shout outs to friends and family? Lucky charm. Uh, well, hands down has to go to my girlfriend because I wouldn't be on this trail or I might be on this trail, but I probably wouldn't have any gear. So if it weren't for her and her like dedication to my passion, like, oh my gosh, I don't know where I'd be. So absolutely to Ness. And then my parents were just supporting me when I'm sure it's hard being a parent, having a kid wanting to do something this bonkers. I give it to them for supporting me regardless. Um, and then to my my non-biological aunt, her partner, Todd, she's, yeah, she's met me twice on trial, trail so far. She supplies me with the Lucky Charm marshmallows. So I, I couldn't miss her. You've got a solid support group there. I really do. Yeah. And it makes it, I, oh my gosh, so much easier. 
Okay. Hey, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if the pineapple and cinnamon pizza in your pack is getting cold. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. Love it.